I'm Dustin Zahn, and this is Trainwrecks. The end of the summer is almost here, and I hope you guys have been having a good one. I've been having a fairly busy one on my end, and uh, if you didn't catch the Patrick Skoog episode, which was the last one, uh, I explained that there's going to be a little bit of a slower output for new episodes this summer, simply because I'm traveling nonstop for gigs, and uh, I'm only home about two days a week. Uh, that's going to change, though, starting in September. We'll get back onto a more regular basis, so uh, stick around for those. Um, I got a few quick notes before we get to the guest and start the show. First of all, as always, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And please don't forget to fire over any questions you want answered on the show. Uh, the best place to do that is at the Trainwrecks website. Uh, there's a link that says Submit Questions there. You can ask uh, general stuff, or you can also um, see where some upcoming guests are listed and ask questions to them directly. And uh, that's about it as far as the podcast goes. I got a couple announcements on my end, though. On the release front, there's a new remix on Drum Code that's available. Actually, uh, David Flores, Truncate, he remixed a track off my album called Miss You. And uh, it's doing pretty well in the charts right now. I'm really happy with the track. Uh, a lot of remixes these days are just kind of new tracks with a sample thrown on the top. And David really took the parts and kind of, you know, molded them into his own thing. And uh, it turned out really well. So if you're interested in either of our sound, check it out. doesn't really sound like a drum code thing, but it's cool nonetheless. And lastly, I have a new track coming up on the Cocoon compilation. They do a yearly one, which it's always the letter of the alphabet. This year, it's the letter P. Um, I think that'll be out by the time the next episode comes. I haven't really paid attention. Uh, but it's got a track by myself called Sunbreaker. And uh, that's a little bit more clubby from me. But you can kind of expect that on a compilation like that. And uh, it's also got other badasses like Josh Wink and um, Red Shape, so check that out. And uh, lastly, uh, this weekend I'm at Further for two sets. I'll be playing Friday night on the main stage, doing my usual techno thing. And uh, Saturday, or no, Sunday, I'll be doing more of a house set on the communion stage. Uh, so if you're going to be out there, come out and say hello. Don't be a stranger. Don't be weird about it. And if you're not there, uh, well, too bad, so sad. Uh, check out check out Kurt ep uh, episode two, Kurt X's episode. Uh, it was really funny, and it's kind of crazy with a lot of history. So if you're curious about the weekend, check that out. Or if you're driving up there, um, pull it up on the SoundCloud app or whatever and get a little taster for what's about to come. Uh, after that, I'm immediately heading back home to Berlin. Uh, next weekend, I'm back at Berghain. It's been a long time in the planning, but we're finally doing a label night at the club. It's actually more of an enemy versus arts night, and the lineup is pretty catchy by Berlin standards. Uh, we've got myself, uh, Per Grinvik, and uh, new guy Zippo on the enemy front. Uh, Emmanuel, Dax, Jay, and Denise Rabe will be representing arts. And uh, instead of having the usual Berghain residents, we got a couple special guests we've invited. One is uh, in Atternam Vale. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, off of Minimal Wave. Super strange music, super strange name, but looking forward to that. And then a 
kind of legend in the making in the Berlin side of things, Freddie K. He had uh, some pretty badass sets there before, and I'm looking forward to see what he cooks up this time. So that's definitely going to be a messy night with a lot of Berlin heads and friends. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. But that's enough about me. This week's guest is uh, another legend, Ian Pooley. For house heads, he needs absolutely no introduction. And even for a lot of techno heads, he doesn't need one either. However, for anybody who isn't aware of him, uh, let's get you filled in. He's had a highly prolific career in the 90s that led to a handful of albums, EPs, and remixes. Uh, For example, his album Meridian was a massive influence on today's house heroes. He's traded remixes with Daft Punk during their homework era. And uh, he's released a few highly credible techno records at Silver Shower on Richie Houghton's Plus 8 label. And even the odd collaboration with Hardcore's Alec Empire. Um, and that's that's just the, the fringe stuff. I mean, he's done a ton of other amazing remixes and in quality, just regular house record releases. Uh, but you'll hear more about that during the interview. I can say that interviewing him was kind of a treat. Uh, sometimes when I get guys over to be on the show, they're not really used to, well, they're a little shy on the mic. Um, the whole radio interviews thing doesn't happen as much as it used to because this music isn't as accepted on the radio anymore. Uh, so there's a lot of guys that don't really get it. They don't want to wear the headphones. They are a little afraid to talk on the mic. They don't really know what to do. And that's not the case with Ian. When he comes in the room and sits down on the mic, he's a total pro. It's obvious that he's got decades of experience, and he just kind of hops right on and knows exactly how it works. Um, And that just, to me, it kind of shows that uh, there's something from these guys that have been around for a while that the other people in the newer generations haven't really quite been able to pick up on uh, for a variety of reasons, some good, some bad, some whatever. Anyway, I hope you dig it, and uh, we'll be back with more interviews soon. Have a good one. So um, we'll just start right back at the beginning. Okay. Speed up like we usually do on the show here. Uh, your first material came out on 4Sync. Yeah. Uh, what was that, 98? No, earlier. 90. Oh, no, no, no. Um, I first started producing music uh, with my friend Tonka, DJ Tonka. Okay. And uh, the, we had the first release under the project name called TNI, which meant Tonka and Ian, mm-hmm. um, in 1991. Okay. And um, from then on, uh, did um, two, three years together of uh, releasing together. And then in 94, I started with my first solo. Okay, so that's what it was. Wait, maybe it was, was it Meridian that came in 98 or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Anyway, that came out on 4Sync and that's like for, maybe not so much for Europeans, but for Americans, a lot of them, they kind of know the label as more of like the minimal micro house side of of Force. Yeah, and that's what they later developed or changed into. And uh, in the beginning, uh, me, Tonka, few other guys releasing on the label and the label owner Akim we were we really had a we, we loved 
everything that came out of Chicago and Detroit and we were really, you know, fascinated by the sound and what was created, you know, from the first Transmet releases, first Plus 8 releases yeah. or the first Underground Resistance releases. Right about the same time they came out, the first Fuse was in Summer 91, the, the, the Riot EP, the double pack on Underground, underground Resistance was also Summer 91 and um, so in the beginning it was strongly influenced by Chicago and Detroit sound yeah. and later only changed when he started signing up new people, new guys, that um, it changed into a bit more European sounding. I would yeah. Say. Well, it, it kind of finds its own thing for after a while. And like I said, people associate a certain sound with it. But I mean, even like your first record, somebody put it really well on Discogs. Um, actually, I don't have the site in front of me anymore, but I think it had something like a, a nod to Black Dog or something like definitely this kind of slightly more experimental detroit sort of sound definitely yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. not not really like the house sound that you become known for later on yeah yeah um, but beginning i was really really fascinated uh like i said by the early transmet stuff or early kevin saunders and early um Juan atkins and uh um that was my biggest influence and then when i started doing my solo projects i t kind of turned towards that more sound i wanted to explore that a bit more mm -hmm. and then later in the late 90s i changed a little bit although i never lost the interest in techno but i changed towards more housier things but um was there something that kind of inspired that change or what were well, you well then later you know like when labels like um casual joint or relief records you know like i would say like around 94 95 mm -hmm. a lot of cool new artists coming out of france um, you know with daft punk or motorbus or uh, versatile records with iq um that i found really fascinating and yeah. then i started making my music more mpc based and that's kind of in that same kind of similar vibe you know when you mm -hmm. would use an mpc 3000 and stuff and you're still a big fan of the NPC. All the time, yeah. yeah. We'll get into that a little bit later, okay. but uh, yeah, big time. And then, um, so, but was, as you said, you, you named off the, the artists and the labels, but did was there maybe like certain parties or a certain club that you were going to that really was influencing your taste to kind of move over to that sound or not? No, really? it was purely coming from me being fascinated by the music. Um, in the late 80s, I I started buying my own records when record shopping and I was just, I was too young to go to clubs. I couldn't yeah. go to clubs. I was like 13 years old, 14 years old. And uh, I already was buying Transmet stuff and, uh, or inner city stuff. Uh, and um, so that kind of created my interest into making music myself because I was really fascinated. Like, and I really wanted to find out what kind of drum machines they were using, what kind of synthesizers they were using, and I started buying them and did some things, you know, DJing at home and trying to start producing and mm -hmm. and this kind of things. And it later only started um, with the clubbing when I was actually allowed to go clubbing, legal age. Um, what was I, the age at that time? Uh, you could go out in like when you're 17, but okay, not, so. not the whole night. Uh, but then I was already DJing because I was 91 and I started going on tour. So okay. uh, I, was, I kind of experienced it firsthand. Uh, I was an artist on there, but I stayed anyway the whole night. You know? Yeah, so. that was kind of the case with me too. There was uh, times where I had to actually be, they had to sneak me into the club because I was too young to be there, but I was a headliner at the club. You know what I mean? It's kind of a kind of a crazy thing. In, uh, yeah, in America, it's obviously a bit tougher yeah. on, the, on the laws, but... I had I was a bit lucky because I looked older than I was, so people wouldn't Fair really enough. ask. That's cool. Um, and at this point, you were 
was it like Mayans that you were growing up around? Or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. That's my hometown. And um, But we went record shopping in Frankfurt as well and in Wiesbaden, which is all like easy accessible with a with a public transport so we would go every two weeks record shopping and okay. then the clubbing came later you know once a month twice a month and then more and more when you were growing out were you doing like uh was it were you going to omen or was there a place that you were kind of visiting <laughs> regularly kind of a competition going on like the people from mines really would stick to themselves and uh would do their own thing and we had our own club uh, which isn't these days not really Famous and you know, not people forgot about it, but uh, we were the residents there. We started also like I think September, October, um, 91 residents. So we were always play uh, before the guest DJ, and we were one of the first who had Derek May. I think it was the second show in Europe. Uh, Jeff Mills, we had him, and uh, so we basically booked all of our heroes, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Tiny club, 150 people capacity, and uh, but crazy, like always till seven, eight in the morning. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, like you know, um, these days when you book somebody like Derek May or Jeff Mills or Green Velvet, doesn't matter. Like all the guys are a little bit older; they've been around the planet a million times already. They've seen it all. They've done it all. So it's like. To show up and it'll be good and they'll be happy about it. But uh, and granted, they were still co- they were playing quite a lot back then. But it was still kind of new for everybody back in the early nineties. Is there like uh, could you could you notice like any sort of like excitement that you were getting from these guys that you know they were finally like coming to Europe and doing it a lot like that you wouldn't be able to capture now? Uh, the only thing I could say is like that we were really surprised that they. For example, Derek May, you know, became really good friends with him. And, you know, we, we still, we have so much fun when we see each other. Um, he, we had a mutual respect uh, for the music. So he mm-hmm. was really, he knew what we were doing back in the days under the TNI uh, or Space Cube uh, aliases. And um, he would play our music the whole time. That was something we would never expect. And uh, um, so it's fascinating to see when you come from a completely different background that you can have this mutual admiration for, for the music. And uh, Definitely. it's funny. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, because I was thinking about that a little bit more lately these days, and it's like, there's a lot of people, um, doesn't matter if, like, you're the music fan or the promoter, or let's say you're the DJ, because there's the internet and Facebook and Instagram and all this, you can stay connected with your favorite people way easier than you could when there was no computers and cell phones really to do this. So, like, if Derek May shows up at your doorstep with a creator record, it's like, this is a guy that you kind of just vaguely know the name on paper and all of a sudden now he's in the club. You don't really know anything about it. Like, for example, I didn't know Jeff Mills was a black dude until like probably three or four years after I was into the music because like um, we just where I was at, we weren't getting the magazines. The Internet wasn't around. It was just a name. You're you know right. What I mean? You're right. You're and right. Uh, so yep. it was kind of mysterious back then. Well, uh, back then, the main source of information were those magazines. So we had like one or two stores in the, in the whole area, like around Frankfurt Mines, where they would sell the English magazines. And um, so there would be some articles about the guy. So I would see the first press shots or that first techno compilation that came out of 10 records Virgin in 88. It had some press shots in there. So I knew what they looked like, but personality wise and, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, like you don't see anything of them, you know, a lot of stuff that you see on the videos these days or what people post about, you get to know them 
way more closer than uh, before meeting them firsthand, you know? Yeah, and, uh, exactly. And back in the days, it was always a surprise, you know? Yeah. And, like, th this show is just as much of a culprit, you know? Like, I introduce people and people get to know their favorite artists on the show. And, or maybe not their favorite, people they like. And... uh it just must have been so strange back then to have people come in that you... I get it. I still get it. It's really funny. And that was throughout my whole career. It would always happen that people said, oh, I thought you're from Chicago. I thought you're from New York. I thought you, that you must be American, Canadian. Uh, I thought you're from London uh, or Scottish. I got even Scottish yeah. once. And they're so surprised then when they hear me talk with my accent. And when I tell them where I'm from, you know, and, and I was born and raised there and never lived anywhere else. And, That's the uh, sound, though. You know what I mean? Like, uh, mm -hmm. who you're associated with. Like, for example, a lot of people in uh, in Europe, if they hadn't met me, like promoters, and I get off the plane, they automatically assume I'm Swedish because of my association with drum code. Yeah, totally. Years, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I'm not. I mean, it's in my heritage, but I, I'm American. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So uh, it's it's different for sure. But, um, so, I mean, this was Frankfurt in the 90s. When did you move to Berlin then? Um, well, I was mostly living in my hometown. There was one period where I lived in Barcelona for one year in the late 90s. So, but besides that, only in my hometown. And um, uh, Berlin is exactly 10 years ago now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, that was actually a little, that was, let's say, quite late as far as... Uh, yeah, a few other career. ones moved, moved there, I think four or five years before me yeah but okay. it was still quite quite fresh over here sure and then at that point like in the mid to late 90s uh you you did meridian like we mentioned yeah. um i think uh the remix for daft punk yeah uh, and their remix for me and yeah, everything exactly. so that was a busy period between like 97 98 99 yeah how, how, were, how many parties do you think you were doing a year back then uh i don't know a lot. Uh, I really don't know. I would, I, I would have, have to look uh, on the flyers, but actually... But I mean, was it too much or was it comfortable? Um, there, there was definitely a period like around the 2000s, 2001, where I would be more gone than at home. Mm -hmm. And I think it's not, not a good thing to do. And uh, ever since then, I always try to keep a weekend off per month minimum because I think it's really important that you stay... I mean, where your studio is sure. for, for a period for longer than three or four days, you know, because yeah. you usually get from Tuesday to Friday because Monday you're too tired. Mm -hmm. um, I think you need to have like 10 days in a row minimum where you can just you really dive in and, you know, like focus on the music. Uh, otherwise, or, or life in general. <laughs> well, that, that on top, but, you know, yeah. like if you want to, uh, if you have the aim as a producer to, to constantly oh, yeah, evolve, yeah. you know, to, to, to maybe move forward, you know, change your sound a little bit, you know, be inspired. Um, you need to invest more time. That's it. And these days, you know, um, for people that they even think less and less about it because I think they, they just make a few tracks and they have to work in a certain certain kind of crowd or a certain kind of um, a region or something, and that's it. And yeah. I always consider myself a 50-50 DJ and producer, and I always thought it's really important. I think so. I mean, everybody, of course, has different um, different plans. Some people primarily just want to DJ, and they don't really care about what records they're putting out. Um, and who's to say what what way is the right way or the wrong way? But I'm I'm with you in the sense that I I, I need both to balance things out. And I think it's also important that um, 
you know, if you want to do productions as a producer and you happen to be on the road, you, you got to be willing to dedicate more time to it. You can't just say, um, I'm going to put out one record a year and squeeze it out over three months or something like that's always the, the, the wrong conclusion people made since, um, you know, they, they realized that was also in the early 2000s that they would earn less money on, on releases because nobody was buying them anymore. Yeah. And, uh, the whole MP3 thing started. Uh, I think it's that, that you have to go the opposite way. You have to be even more time in the studio and do something really interesting and that maybe that would surprise you yourself yeah. as well. And, um, but that's only really for the people, um, that really want to have a, career going on as a producer as well as other people that don't yeah. pay so much attention to it you know yeah i mean and it, again i mean it really it, it comes down to what you want specifically too not just the fans like what you want your legacy to be like if you uh if you want to be known for like let's say a bit more on the artistic side of things you're going to be better off as being a producer right yeah. But um, there's some of these guys that think that simply by doing 10 gigs a month that this will establish them as like a legendary per, uh, person or, or women rather. And it's like, sure, people will always remember like maybe a great night in a club or a party, but uh, those nights come and go. The memories are blurry. You know, a record or an MP3 or something, that lasts forever. That's tangible. Just uh, look at this. You, there's only a handful of names that kind of stop producing or do it on a really rare base uh, mm -hmm. um, that are really successful in the DJ circus. And um, I can think of only five names or something. So uh, it's a, the chance that you could succeed with this on a long-term period is pretty low, I think. I agree. But at the same time, if uh, so let's reverse it. There are a lot of people out there that listen to the show that are simply just DJs. They don't have the time or the desire or the knowledge to produce would you be one of those people that says, well, you got to make records in order to put out gigs? Or do you say, go ahead and try it if you want to be just a solely a DJ? Um, so from the producer, the other way around, yeah? Well, the other way, like, meaning like if, if someone's just a DJ, should they have to make records in order to get I, gigs? I really don't know. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's to each his own, you know? Sure. It's like... Uh, you know, like when I listen to promos and uh, go through promos, I can really hear it if somebody only does tracks because somebody told him to do tracks, you yeah, know, definitely. and it's like, it's like, it's nice fillers, you know, like good at a time, but forgotten uh, in a couple of months, you know, and I don't see the reason in it, you know, it's like only from the approach, you know, like to, to, uh, I don't know, PR wise or something, you know, like to present that person even more you know like what they're about but it's the the, the music is uh most of the times not super interesting i would say yeah that's that's the case these days because everybody is um not as inspired um well they're inspired solely by the music that they're trying to make for example like i had dj q on the show last week and he comes from more of a dancer background like lat music and all that stuff so house music as well but he was explaining, like, uh, you know, because I think a lot of his stuff is kind of more techno-leaning. Yeah. And uh, he's like, well, I mean, he likes techno. He's like, I don't really listen to it. He's, his techno isn't inspired by techno. Let's put it that way. It's not so incestuous. It's, it's It takes from other elements. And these days when you listen to a lot of records, and I can only imagine, uh, you know, with a lot of the promos you get for house and tech house and all that stuff, that it's just very... 
the same thing over and over, just as it is in techno, where it's like it's just same like sound I, mean, I don't want to blame anyone, you know. So no, like most of people don't do it on purpose, but it's the natural approach when they become famous as a DJ. They play out, you know, and then when they go into the studio to produce tracks, they automatically do the same sound that they would play out and yeah. probably the sound which is on Vogue right now, really hip right now, and um, kind of come up with a result that sounds really similar to a different track that is already out, you know? Yeah. And uh, there's very few of the producers that can kind of shut that part of the brain off and say like, okay, when I go into a studio, I just make music what I want to do and won't be influenced by whatever is hip right now, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're someone that really never... Uh, submit to the trends of the moment or the time i mean maybe there's like a a nod into the direction but like you've never really been like a, a a trendy producer so uh and of course you know um because i first of all just a technical way because i work really in an old school way yeah. it kind of pushes my sound in a certain direction for sure so it's uh not even by choice sometimes yeah i mean people tell me that they can recognize a pulley track just by listening to it and then like mm -hmm. okay they never didn't see the title or anything they didn't shazam it uh, i don't know why it is like this and i don't know mm -hmm. i can't really exactly describe what my sound is and how i achieve it and how i do it but i can only guess and i think it's I better think that way feeling you yeah. know what i mean it's better that way because i just want to continue like this and don't you know make it turn it into a science you know definitely <laughs> um so i've been in like that being said uh how are you feeling about house music at the moment um i mean there's different kind of developments right now um I would say there's a nice, promising, you know, outlook of a, com a comeback of that New York sound. Uh, yeah. Speaking of old mastered work stuff or something, you know, I see, I can hear that there's um, more vocals in the tracks. Mm -hmm. Maybe a bit more like the Vogue style of house, like but, 90s. Yeah, classic, classic house. I would say like also mid to late 90s but more that east coast sound sure. you know like new york new jersey there's a lot of things coming out like this and um but less i mean i don't notice the percussive side of it so much the tribal house side maybe you do no no but, no 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 um and some of that i i was not really into some of it was cheesy but some of it i really liked um, a few things uh the yeah. the tribal stuff i in general, I didn't like it at all. Yeah. Um, the four or five tracks that I was like, uh, some of the Merc stuff I really liked a lot. Yeah, and, I like Merc a lot. Um, but a lot of the stuff was a bit too kind of leaning towards European trancy sound, which was never my thing. So I got you. Uh, so it's safe to say you definitely. If Chicago, I'm speaking, Chicago house all the way. If I'm speaking, if I speak about East Coast sound, it's usually Kenny Dope, uh, Louis Vega, and okay. those, you know, the, the classic house, house yeah. kind of sound. Yeah. I heard, um, I think it was DJ Duke or somebody like that. One of the other New York guys was also making a comeback. Uh, yeah, I just I got, well. got a promo a month ago. Yeah. And um, I was wondering why he's that late you know like everyone for the past three years has been playing his old tracks and yeah. uh, um he should have came back way earlier you know well you know i think every i it's funny because in the last couple of years there's been a lot of 90s revival type stuff and you know i don't know maybe part of i'm 
it's hard to say everybody falls into one category, but some people it's very obviously midlife crisis. Some people just, they took a break to raise their family and now they're kind of, the kids are in college and they can kind of have fun with it again a little bit. Or maybe some people are broke. I don't know. It's a, it's a mixture of things. I, I think, think every, every time I hear a story or I talk to a guy from the old school days, it's a different story. Yeah, you exactly. Can't, you can't point it out on but, one thing. You know, and then I think, you know, they see their, um, their friends or their colleagues kind of are uh, stepping back and they're like, you know what, maybe, maybe I could mm. be that person too. But I mean that, since I came up with that music as well, I'm all for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I uh, mean, uh, the, when you have a 20 years or so, 20 year plus uh, career, there's ups and downs. There's mm -hmm. a, there's no way that you would have it like on a high level the whole time. And you know, like, oh yeah. And there's times where you're not inspired. So I totally understand it. Um, but um, it's just like um, for a lot of those first generation guys, there was this. Uh, time when they just kind of didn't see the reason or why they should do it because they they saw they wouldn't make any money on they actually would have would make a loss you know because yeah. vinyl sales were dropping and um so they kind of lost the interest so some of them got a family some of them got a different job and some of them were just living off the back catalog so it's really really different but in the end it's it's great that they come back and you know like um get some of the respect they deserve in mm -hmm. my opinion well it's meant it's funny you mentioned back catalog uh you recently got the rights back to a lot of yours yeah and uh you re-released meridian and right yeah, did, yeah, yeah did last happen? week yeah yeah and then you had a remix package as well yeah yeah nice one um It was it was bicep and um, who else? Uh, my, fr my friend Chovy and uh, Oscar Offerman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, like uh, some of those people are your friends, obviously. But are are those kind of names that obviously you like them because you had them remix the album? But are those kind of people you're looking up to right now that you really believe in? That are like three points. I, I wanted have fresh faces, like new guys. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to have guys that. I previously talked about with them and they, they would tell me, Oh, I love that album Meridian. Mm -hmm. And, um, just like, uh, that they could, that they're a fan of the original album, but could do something fresh with it. And, yeah. you know, obviously I knew I like their stuff and I've been playing out their stuff yeah. for, for, for years now. So this, this is what I found charming about it. You know, that they can do something with some of the, You know, some of them would say, you know, like I got into house music just because of that album, which is nice. So, yeah. like, I give them the chance to remix uh, some of their favorite tracks. That's an awesome opportunity too. Mm. You know, like I only have I have one Shobi remix that that changed track. Yeah, I think yeah, it was quite yeah. big. Yeah, uh, I got that, and then I, there's a lot of bicep stuff I played over the past couple of years when they were blowing up and. Mm. Uh, really good producers and it seems like totally. knowledgeable you know what yeah. i mean really doing their homework again the same story about mutual respect you know like mm -hmm. when when you when you like someone you know like uh, I, i think it's a natural way then you just do those kind of things you know but mm -hmm. i don't want to go too crazy with the old albums i don't want to remix every track and sure. put out another remix package another remix package i thought it was nice to do those two three remixes but just keep it like this mm -hmm. and uh the big the, the most important stuff was about it that i finally put it out on all the streaming sites because people were complaining about it you know oh, like okay. why isn't it on spotify why isn't it on apple music and uh now it's now it's out there and for people to enjoy it on the 
you know, yeah. streaming, the new medium. Do yeah. you see uh, any of the other classic stuff maybe getting released just, well, just so I, it's available? Yeah, or? well, I got the rights back for um, since then as well because mm-hmm. it was both in one package. Uh, do that next year. Um, but some some stuff I'm willing to release and some stuff I, I just want to keep it as it is. Yeah. Like, for example, I got the rights for the Daft Punk remix for my track called Memory. Mm-hmm. And I only... I only licensed it to Def Punk themselves for their best of album. Yeah. And it's just available there. It's not available for my label or mm-hmm. you know, wherever. Because I think some things you just keep them yeah, as it's it good is. To keep yeah. them special, yeah. you know. And um here and there I'm I'm doing, you know, like when Len Faki did that remix of Celtic Cross. Yeah. I didn't ask him to do it. He did it for fun and I really, really liked it. And so I said, uh, and I like the project he's doing with the picture disc Definitely. and it looks beautiful. So I was like, all for it, you know? Yeah. But I don't sit there every day and look through my back catalog and think that, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, no, we release this, we release that. I mean, I just had to ask because I'm sure other people are like, well, what else is there? But, uh, you know, it's good that you got things. Um, that you have the ability to do it if you want to do so. Yeah. You know? I mean, a lot of people ask me about um, the B side of Celtic Cross was called My Anthem. Mm-hmm. It was like B2. And um, back then it was played a lot as well. And we did remixes back in the days. Uh, there's two mixes by Robert Hood and um, one by Roy Davis. And people... Of your of My Anthem? Yeah. They're playing it a lot at Panorama by these days. And uh, I'm thinking about re-releasing that uh, because it sounds quite the sound is like kind of up to date yeah yeah it's, uh, yeah it sounds it sounds contemporary right now and thinking about that but i'm really not sure i'll see i got you so speaking of like let's say for example len Faki, he just redid celtic cross did i see that you played his figure party Which in was Sonar fun. recently yeah yeah were you doing a techno set or a house or what was that like he told me to play house and okay. it, was a, it was really really funny because i like this kind of shows where you get nervous before mm-hmm. because like the normal shows are the normal shows you're the headliner you play in the middle yeah. blah 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 but this was kind of a challenge because i played after roman Ponset and um before this dutch really really good live show oh your you, own search. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Very good live show. Yeah, he it's does really a great. Uh, his records are badass too. Yeah, yeah. he's been around for ages. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a nice chat with him before. Yeah. Anyway, so it was a challenge to go down from hundred, I don't know, hundred thirty-one or hundred thirty to oh, hundred twenty-six, wow. and um, uh, didn't prepare anything special before. I, 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 I wanted to have the challenge just to go with mm-hmm. what I have and see what I can do and went down really well. It was but cool. I mean, were you, did you kind of pull out the Jack and House records or are you kind of doing like say stuff you did recently on like Inner Visions, that vibe or what were you going for? Um, some of the Inner Vision stuff, I, would, I, I, would, I used the stuff um, on the sub label, which is a bit tougher, a bit too. Oh yeah, the, uh, was well, it I the, forgot the name. Is it the Secret Weapons No, 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 series, no, 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 no. There's a new sub-label they're doing. It's also distributed. New oh, is that the... I heard that Dixon was like sort of a techno-leaning label in a way. Yeah. I didn't know that started. Um, yeah, it's, I think they're to the second release now. I forgot mm-hmm. the name. You can, you I'll can Google, Google it. it. Yeah. And if you're listening out there, uh, why don't you check it out too? <laughs> um, so that worked well. And then... Um, but anyway, stuff that I usually... Tr- do as well the jacking stuff There's some of the chicago stuff some old glenn yeah. underground or boo williams and some old french stuff as well so nice worked really well 
And is that, I mean, obviously you, you play out quite a bit, so you play kind of the whole spectrum of house, or is there kind of a, a part of it right now that's you kind of sticking with like maybe something more chilled out? Or I, Like I said, I like the challenges. For example, I did um, two shows already under my pseudonym Silver Shower. Yeah, you and the played, techno stuff. Yeah, I played Trow and I played at Berghain. And um, I played almost vinyl only at Berghain and everything, all the 90s techno records on minus six or minus mm -hmm. seven. So much fun. And... Um, that's that's what it's all about that's that's the real fun you know yeah. keep it fresh and um the general bookings and the general gigs the pulley bookings are um there's a certain formula to it you know like i, I take some old stuff i take some pulley stuff and i take some brand new stuff mix it all up but uh, always as i go i i watch the crowd and um i see what works better and uh, what I think is then better for that night. You know? I gotcha. And it's, you brought up Silver Shower. I remember you telling me before, because um, for those who don't know, he did two records on Richie Houghton's Plus 8 label. What was it, 96, something around yeah, there? Yeah, it was 96. Yeah. yeah. And um, it wasn't necessarily just that it was like, okay, you have kind of a guy that's more known for house that does a couple regular techno records. Like, they were really good in their... Uh, I don't know what they go for on Discogs, but they're, they're rare records. They're sought after. And um, But you said they weren't originally going to come out on Plus 8. Uh, I gave them first to Jeff Mills, yeah. And uh, I was this really, 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 really close to releasing them on, on Access. But then he said like uh, he wants to keep the label to himself and mm -hmm. Maximum as an art artist, uh, Robert Hood, and that's something... I totally understood, you know, but yeah. he was really into them. And I remember he was playing it all the time mm -hmm. and, uh, it would have been a great honor, but you know, like plus eight was equally as great, you know, Definitely. for sure. And, um, since, since the techno changed towards more that 90 sound again, I think like three or four years ago, mm -hmm. I, re I got back into it again and I started my sub label montage and, uh, there's a new one coming out in early September and it's uh, actually remixes of, one of the old tracks uh, on the first CP on Plus 8 that uh, Richie allowed me to do. And uh, uh, yeah, and I gave it to a few guys already and it's it's doing good. Uh, can you say the names yet or do we got to wait on that? Um, that was always a problem with it, uh, with those two EPs on Plus 8. Um, never had titles, so... Oh, no, I mean like the for remixers. Uh, it's just me. Oh, I, okay. I, did, I did it myself. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Just nice updated one. it, fresh yeah. touch to it, yeah. Awesome. So uh, if you're a fan of any of that stuff, uh, early September, you said. Yeah. Yeah. 9th of September. Yeah. Cool. And then do you have plans to do uh, like further singles under Silver Shower or gigs or anything? Uh, well, I see. I see about it. You know, like uh, I I can I, I've, I feel I have a lot of fun with it and I would like to do it more often. But then I have to raise the profile a little bit more. And, you know, like maybe besides the stuff on montage, you know, release somewhere else as well. And sure. uh, um, do, do maybe a remix here and there, you know, and see where, where it leads me to. But um, I think it's great, you know. I, yeah. I like that, you know, like the idea of playing maybe one weekend out as Pooley and the other weekend as Silver Shower. Just to change it up a bit or something. I'd love to do that. That would be fun. Nice. Um you know, talking about all these records and tracks and making stuff, you're you're heavily you're a gear guy. Um, that's kind of how it always has been, I guess. Do you 
as far as I know, you've never done a live show. Does that some have any interest to you or not really? Oh no, I, I used to do live shows. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I stopped um, about uh, ten years ago um, okay. because I was. As well as the studio stuff, uh, really working in the old school way. So 909, MPC, MS20, 101. And uh, mm-hmm. I would always have issues with uh, machines uh, breaking, you know, or, oh, yeah. you know, in the flight case, you know, being thrown around and stuff like this. Tell so, me about it. Yeah. And um, so I stopped it. And then the, the whole revolution started with Ableton uh, or with, uh, with Logic and people using their laptops for a live show. And then the controllers got better and better. But I kind of didn't really, so far, didn't really get into it. And uh, at the moment, I, I have so much more fun creating new tracks instead of sitting uh, for months and months in the studio to create a live show. Yeah. That's that's the only thing why I said it's no. It's a lot of work. And yeah. You know, I I did one, uh, I think it was last year, kind of off of my, my Monolith album. And then I haven't done it in about uh, almost a year again now. I did after the festival season last summer, I was done. And I want to do it again. But like you said, it takes a lot of time to put an hour show together. And um, you, you really just, uh, you have to make it work. Because uh, there's really nothing more boring than just listening to someone jam when it's maybe not necessarily a bad jam, but it doesn't go anywhere for an hour, and especially if it's someone that you really were looking forward to see. So to do it right takes a lot of time and effort, and it's it's the same thing with bands, for example. You go to see these bands, and it's like uh, my studio in Minneapolis, there's some completely, truly awful bands there, and like, it makes <laughs> it puts it in perspective for me, like, my God, uh, it's not easy to put together even a half hour of like original music that's like you can kind of keep it going and it's captivating. You know what I mean? I think with a techno or electronic music live show, it's like uh, the amount of live shows, the more you do, the better you get. Oh, of course. And I I think when you really, really stick to it, then that's when when the magic, you know, like when when you're in the flow and you can change stuff like while jamming it, yeah. And that's what I had to talk with this Jeroen guy, for example, um, mm-hmm. who's like the energy was right, everything was there, and you could really see that he was doing it very spontaneous, you know, not yeah. just so much grid after grid or whatever clip after clip. Yep. Um, and that thing only comes when you're doing it think, every weekend. Yeah, right? you do only exclusively live shows and uh, you know you keep on going back during the week and you know changing things over maybe adding other equipment or adding other controllers and i just i like my life how it is you know i like to dj on the weekends and be a fan of other people's music and then when i when i'm at home in berlin to to produce my own music i I I hear it's better that way yeah I mean, uh, and also it seems like every once in a while you'll post up pictures from uh, the studio got a lot of vintage synths and uh, as we mentioned earlier you're a big fan of mpcs yeah um so you're set up the mpc is like the main hub basically exactly right? yeah 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 and um do you do you have yours all modded out with the the jos and all that and no um i recently got the new dis- display which is an led display it's great and you know? also i can work even in the bright daylight uh mm-hmm. with the old display it was a pain in the ass um but um yeah it's it's the my central unit and i create all the tracks with mpc even like all the synthesizers i play all the bass lines and harmonies everything in the mpc 
because of the swing and the feel to it. Mm -hmm. And um, later I just record it into Logic and then do some arrangement. And here there's a little cueing, but not much. Okay. And uh, is there, I mean, so the MPC obviously you can't live without, but do you have like a, another like favorite synth or compressor or effects thing that you couldn't live without? Well, um, I don't use many compressors or anything. I just have the Yuri and I use that uh, a lot for parallel compressing like with beats maybe mm -hmm. or um, yeah, some, some percussive elements. But um, I would always say like... Uh, Something that for me, when I'm kind of stuck, I'm not sure what I want to do. Uh, always the, the two machines that save, you know, save a track or save me for the rest of the day is a, it's always 101. It's so versatile. Yeah. And a memory MOOC, you know, for the mm -hmm. kind of crazy element, you know, it's definitely. But, um, have you, have you tried any of the new, Roland era stuff like the yeah recently I've been in in Tokyo I played at Sankey's and uh, the guy organized me to go to the lab and um, uh, I tried out all of the machines and um, I was really really impressed I didn't get to use it much before as a TI8 I mm -hmm. think it sounds fat and uh, on top of just simulating or emulating the old sounds it does even more stuff in a good way you know like more more controls you know the pitch on on the height sounds really good and yeah. the decay of the of the kick and the 808 is really long and you know compared to the to the old one so it gives you stuff on top and it's Definitely. like so for that kind of money it's amazing you know i wish i had this in the early 90s and um yeah um, the J jpa sound jp08 sounded really good as well and uh yeah i tried out everything but you know yeah I mean, like, I'm, I'm kind of, I wrote down some of the more recent things that uh, you've done, so I don't have to look them up. Like the, what is it? Is it pronounced Turakina? Yeah, Turakina. Yeah, on Intervision. Yeah. Or well, that was not on Intervision. No, so no, that was on yours. Yeah, but on pool music. Yeah. It was also a little bit more, let's say, spaced out, melodic yeah. oriented. Um, a lot of people ask me for the baseline, and I'm trying to remember really hard how I made it. I think it was Memory Mook. Pretty sure it was Memory yeah. Mook. Yeah. Okay. I mean, when when things are kind of like that, I mean, to me, I get the impression that it's a little hard to write that kind of music on an MPC. I mean, you do it all the time, so like you were just saying with your it's own search. It's definitely extremely complicated how I work. It's, uh, yeah. Whereas you would have an Ableton, you have two steps, I have like five steps or something. It takes way more time, but I can't work otherwise, and mm -hmm. I really love working that way, and that's for me the best way. Okay, yeah, because I was curious about that. Like that kind of music is generally more complex and best on that way. Whereas, like Mr. G, for example, he's he does basically just everything on the MPC, and his stuff is very loopy, like very simple and basic, and that's also what makes it kind of great. You know, totally, totally. But uh, he just bangs them out the tracks, and yeah. then that's what the MPC is good at. Yeah, they're tracks. If you limit yourself to it, you know, there's not much you can do. Yeah. You just, it, it always tends, you you tend to be more loopy when you work with the MPC. Um, and if you just work with samples, especially. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you limit yourself to that, you know, you're like, uh, and you don't sync with anything else. You just use the groove of the MPC. It's like, 
after you maybe start a track and I guess uh, Mr. G is always he's fast in producing so yeah. after an hour or two he's got the main thing going on and then you listen listen back and you're like oh wow okay it sounds like a finished track already you know totally and to nail it just with the MPC I, I totally get it you know? mm -hmm. it's just like for me I tend to be these days a bit more complex I want to add some more sounds and you're then, making songs basically yeah and then so um To kind of be able, um, it takes long for me to finish an arrangement. I, I'm not the biggest fan of arrangements, but it's something that has to be done. And um, that's so I need instead of um, banging out an easy track, like for example, a techno track or a Chicago house banger, which you can do in three or four hours, mm -hmm. um, I tend to uh, have, need like four or five days for to finish like yeah. a, a track, like a pulley track. So, I mean, Some of the newer stuff, uh, you know, like we were saying just now, is definitely more in like leaning towards the song territory, very melodic. Do you see yourself kind of doing some more tracky, loopy Chicago based stuff, or do you have other projects you're working on um, at the moment? I will. Well, I was talking about my album already a year ago and announcing my album, which is a bit stupid thing to do because I'm still kind of stuck, so I'm still halfway. Uh, just by nature, album tracks are more song structured sure. and uh, always been like this. Um, so I want to get this out of the way and then you never know what I will do after. I don't know. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Actually, but I'm doing remixes, I'm just finishing a remix for digitalism. And it's really like late 90s sounding pooly stuff. I would release on NRK and um, the remixes I did back in the day so a bit okay. more French house influence sample base kind of thing and more playable in the club same thing uh, I did a remix for, um, for Matt Radio Slave as well and it's in a similar vibe you know so uh, recently or uh, recently it's um, still not out yet so hopefully okay. soon is it a vision or uh... it's um, uh, music the track's called something with music I need music uh, um, okay. Kalovak, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, I mean, like you said, you you kind of giving a nod back to what you would do in the '90s, but it's more just an extension, not really just like rehashing stuff. Would well, some people come with a request, make it sound like you know? I'm, I mean, I work the same way anyway. Yeah. The, the methods are the same, but some things about like the way you use loops and samples and also about using less elements yeah. to make it more tracky that kind of way and when some people i listen i say okay for i think that makes sense and yeah. i will do it that way and some people i say no then i'd rather not do it you know no, so. i hear you so um i mean you you've already had you had that record out on your label what was it a month ago maybe a little longer now at this point or oh, the turakina ep was like three or four weeks ago Okay, yeah. And the Meridian remix is just brand yeah, new. Yeah, so like you, last week. you've had a couple things come out recently. So yeah. you're, you're good for a minute anyway, and you got the yeah. the, the silver shower coming this yeah. summer. So let's talk about the touring uh, front for a moment. It seems like, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's on, I don't even know if you have like an artist profile or not. I, I have you on on your private account, So, but it, like you're always posting pictures of nice places where you, you were traveling to. I think New Zealand recently, or maybe yeah. Japan or something. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, any cool things you saw along the way, or great gigs, or? Well, I'm I'm just really happy that in general, like the scenes where there was a little bit, 
not much going on that it's developing again and that there's more clubs opening and uh, starting with New Zealand, Australia is getting better and also Tokyo, which had kind of small depression going yeah. on where it wasn't so much going on. Is and that that's changing over there? Yeah, it's yeah. it's getting way better. I mean, that's contact good. open, Sankey's opened, and uh, like every night there's three international guests, or minimum three international guests, I'd say. Um, and in general, I would say that you can see that the young people are traveling a lot, and a lot of them travel to Berlin because the clubs that open up all over the world, they're heavily Berlin influenced, what I yeah. like, you know. There was 10 years ago, there was this kind of more way to go, like, Nice interior, you know, like really high class interior. A bit more posh. Bottle yeah. service, wannabe poshy, and then the DJ booth and the sound system was like uh, the last, yeah, yeah, the last thing. And uh, a lot of clubs open like this, and they wanted to have DJs playing cheesy stuff, and uh, it totally reversed the other way. And it's like clubs like look really simple interior, mostly open concrete or something, and then mm -hmm. the, the the sound system is really really good and you know both vinyl and digital and it's nice yeah almost like where it's kind of getting back towards the music again and like being sweaty and dirty and not just like totally. let's drink some champagne and get dressed up yeah you know exactly I mean? yeah 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 and the, because it, this crowd travels a lot and they see the clubs in Berlin mm -hmm. and what's happening in Berlin or elsewhere in Europe or in Paris mm -hmm. maybe um, and what I also like for example in, in, in Bangkok where I played or in Seoul, it used to be a lot, minimum 50% of expats, like Americans, Australians, yeah. being in the club. And it's, uh, I'd say, almost 90% it's local guys. And, really? Uh, yeah. It's really okay. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I I don't remember. When I was in Seoul, I did Kyo. Yeah. Um, I had a really no, good... No, no, no. That, that's uh, Singapore. Seoul is a mystique. Oh, yeah. What did I do in Seoul? I think there's Octagon... Okay. It was like some kind of EDM type club actually. Okay. But uh which I did not play uh that kind of music and in result I don't think the the kids were as impressed with me. <laughs> but um I was thinking of Singapore cuz that's got also a very big expat sort of scene. Um I don't remember so much there if there was a lot of expats there at the time or I feel like it was more of a local crowd when I was playing. But for example in Hong Kong which I I really love too. That was definitely more expat. Um, oh, when I played um, um, Shanghai, for example, it was ninety percent expats. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's nice, it's fine. You know, but I I think that the the whole experience is better if you have mostly locals there. You know, um, I know for right now, at least for techno, uh, Tbilisi, Georgia mm -hmm. is starting to blow up a lot. Do you know if that's really this case for house music or not really? Um, I played there. Or three or four years ago mm -hmm. and then there uh, was a few times when they wanted to have me back but then I think some festival got cancelled and blah 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 Just didn't so work out. it happens over there really good energy good crowd good people nice people for sure good food good food too oh mm. but when I was there I only had four hours there I landed okay. at midnight and I left at seven in the morning um so is there um a place particularly that you think uh, is really going off right now like a country or city in particular oh, Italy in general yeah. I mean you could you could spend your 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 time playing in the clubs like not necessarily in summer but the whole winter season yeah of course like in every tiny town in Italy there's a club and it's really 
good managed and uh, crowd is good and you know you have a really good time and it's like it's crazy you know it's mm -hmm. everywhere and then in general i mean i i like living in central europe and i like having the advantage of just needing Flying one hour, one hour yeah, yeah one hour everywhere I, did, i think that's great you know that's like when you live you don't take it really for granted take you take it for granted i don't but that's yeah. because i was from the states yeah and everything was four or five hours I know. So minimum when i have a half an hour an hour flight delay to go to spain i don't complain because you yeah. know it's like it's not a big deal i hear you although i, I got stranded actually the last few times i was in the air in a row i had some pretty big travel troubles and that does get a little old after a while yeah But um, as we get towards the end of the show here, I just wanted to ask, like, what about, like, um, on your normal time? I, I see you like to cook a lot. Is that... Uh... Yeah, that's some habit I I develop of uh, the past couple of years. Uh, also, a natural thing that comes to DJs. You know, you travel the world. Mm -hmm. Promoters usually take you to really good places and you just develop, you know, uh, you know like a knowledge yeah. about it, you know, or... You know, because you travel the world, you know, in different flavors and you try to bring that back. And I just enjoyed it a lot, you know. It's just yeah. a nice, nice thing to do during the week to get together with your friends. And, Definitely. Uh, and a lot of it isn't necessarily that hard either. I mean, the cleaning is a pain in the ass yeah, afterwards, yeah. but, uh, you know. I don't mind that too. I, yeah. I enjoy that. I put some music on. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. And I mean, you got a great patio for it, so we've had a beautiful summer here, and you can really enjoy yeah. it. So, yeah, I wish I could do some more. It doesn't look like this at the moment; it's too windy for barbecues. But um, hopefully, by next week, it's it's more proper normal summer weather, and then we can talk about it again. Yeah. Uh, you got any other plans for the summer? Um, Croatia again. Um, I'm leaving in by the end of July. Probably gonna stay two weeks minimum yeah. and um, do some shows and then holiday and um, at the, the end of August I'm going to Spain again okay so you're gonna have a lot of uh, Mediterranean time this summer yeah full on yeah that's, that's ideal really yeah I mean you know I actually haven't been to Croatia yet and I'd love to go I just uh, I'm actually leaving tomorrow for about six weeks to the Americas so uh, it won't be happening again but One more, you can still go by mid-September. It's great. I, I mean, a lot of people, they say they go to Croatia, but the only thing they do is they go go to one of, of the festivals, yeah. stay in a festival, fly back. That's not going to Croatia. I mean, yeah. Croatia is a huge country with a thousand islands. There's so much to see. You yeah, know? we'll see. I got, I got to go to Ibiza for a wedding, and I'm sure that'll break the bank. So, <laughs> But maybe, you know, Croatia is cheap. That's the thing, like... For a lot of people, especially like the Americans that listen in the show, like it's really becoming kind of a destination at the moment for a lot it of people. It is, and if you go off the track, you know, like if you're if you let yourself guide, be guided, you buy the festival ticket, you get your flight ticket, and then you go after all the things what the festival offers you. Of course, you're gonna pay prices which are normal for Central Europe or elsewhere yeah. or for the UK. Um, if you go off the track, and if you go to islands, I stay on an island where there's like three restaurants and one market and nothing there's no clubs no nothing it's a great holiday and it's really affordable and it's what holidays should be like actually you know so, yeah i i definitely want to get to that before because it seems like it's really picking up steam i want to do that before it's not yeah so but there's easy, still you know? enough space for you to spread out and to have a, the holiday 
the same kind of holiday how I'm, I've been going since 99 and the same kind of holiday you would have back then mm-hmm. uh, in the late 90s you can still have that for sure I hear you um, a lot, some people keep trying to say that it, since Ibiza is really going down the shithole that Croatia might be the next stop do you see that at all as far as a DJ's view or? well it's already like this I is mean it? it's nuts you know like a, I, can, I, I can't see weekend this summer or the past four summers where there's not a festival in Croatia you know and they they all got different names but behind that is always the same group um, which is funny <laughs> um, and I see what it does to, to the scene I would like to see more substantial developments like nicer houses uh maybe nicer hotels and then proper clubs or something you know beach so bars you know grow like, in general like a basically pre- better infrastructure just just opening a festival and then uh, three days of party and then next one you know uh, that's not substantial enough i think yeah um so we'll uh we'll wrap it up here pretty quickly cool. do you have any uh Anything else that we should plug? Dates, podcasts, records? Well, um, no, I, I think the most of the info you get, I do have a fan page on Facebook, obviously. You can see that all IanPooley.com. Just search for Ian Yeah, Um there, there you can see what I'm up to the whole summer and you get more updates about my releases and uh, hopefully I'm going to finish that album soon. Yeah? Yeah. Everybody uh, write them and get on it. Make sure you get it done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, random people that um, aren't really my friends and they're telling me, finish your album. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Need a little pressure sometimes. Yeah, yeah. No, All it right. should be good. Hopefully by the end of the year or something. Okay. Uh, any? Do you know any dates off the top of your head coming up real soon? Um, the big one for around this area is Panorama Ban, uh, 4th, 4th of September I'm doing. Okay. And 4th of September or the weekend before? Yeah, fourth of September. I think that's a Sunday. Uh, well, I think that's a Wednesday because I do. I'm I'm playing uh, Berghain on August thirtieth. Let me have a look. Pretty sure it's September fourth. Yep. Okay. September fourth. Well, you're right. Yeah, that's a shame. Anyway, uh, <laughs> if you're in Berlin, that means you got to come on twice that week. Uh, if you're not in Berlin, that means you got to stay for the entire week, right? Yeah, exactly. Which is normal. That's right. Exactly. Well, thanks again for coming. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All righty. Bye-bye.